Hey, Piers, it's Michelle. I've got some exciting news. The Piers Project has just produced the first Australian women's fashion retailer podcast for Forever New. This podcast, Unforgettable Moments, is about the defining moments in a woman's life and how they shape us into who we are today. Some of the amazing guests featured on this four-part series include social innovator and a winner of the AFR's 100 Women of Influence, Madeline Butchner, award-winning ballerina Isabel Dashwood and professional high jumper Amy Pekovic. Make sure to tune in now to Unforgettable Moments, the forever new podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or just head straight to the link in this episode's description. Now, let's get into this episode. This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We've all heard the saying before, curiosity killed the cat. But for our next guest, curiosity was actually the defining factor that led her to create a successful business. I'm so excited to welcome Maxie Goldstein onto the show today. Maxie is a 2018 Forbes 30 Under 30 listee and the co-founder of Maven, a thriving New York-based digital marketing agency. I'm thrilled to talk to Maxie today about how curiosity has shaped her personal and professional journey and how it has led her to become the successful entrepreneur that she is today. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the awesome Maxie Goldstein. Maxie, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So, you know, you and I connected really recently, actually, over LinkedIn. And when I looked into you and the awesome business you've built, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. I mean, right now I was uh, just telling you I'm in New York in quarantine for Corona. So fortunately, I don't have uh, many other things to do. Uh, and I was so excited when I saw you reach out. And it was one of those things where I was like, if I don't do it now, when when the time uh, comes, it's going to be too busy. So 
Mm. Glad we could connect. Love it. We're making the most of the corona time, aren't we? It's all all happening. A hundred percent. A hundred (laughs) percent. Love it. So, look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, uh, I am uh, a New Yorker now. I'm originally from LA, uh, but I've been in New York for the last 11 years. I uh, came here for school, and once I was done, I decided New York was going to be home. And I started my agency here in the city uh, shortly after graduating college uh, in 2014. And from there, uh, the rest is kind of history. I was pretty lucky uh, early on. My older brother was the director of an agency also here in the city that focused on offline marketing. And I was starting a social media digital agency and I needed clients. And so uh, big brother to the rescue. He sent some my way. Uh, and very quickly, we found ourselves being uh, not just partner agencies, but really brother sister agencies um, in every sense of the in every sense of those words. Uh, fast forward, you know, the times were changing as it related to marketing, business, social, digital, offline, IRL. And omni-channel sort of became a buzzword that um, everyone was uh, was speaking to. And so we decided about two years ago that it made sense to really officially join forces and be sort of one house uh, for all of our clients to be able to come to, get all of the services uh, that a traditional agency would offer, but also have all of the capabilities both um, from a uh, design engineer, fabrication and production standpoint of an offline agency as well. So Uh, what that looks like in terms of our scopes of work, anything from social media marketing through uh, direct mailers, through out-of-home media, radio. um, It really really runs uh, the gamut. Mm. Oh, I love it. And you and I were just talking earlier about you guys joining forces, and I just think it's just so cool that someone in your family could be, you know, you guys are on the same similar path, who just came before you, and now you guys are just – building this awesome thing together. So that's, it's just so cool to hear. For me, it's really fun because my, he'll kill me for saying this, he's 14 years older than me. So, you know, when I could walk and talk and and read, he was a man and he was in college and he was, you know, well into his, his adult life. And so now it's so fun because, you know, we didn't have all of that time when we were kids, like growing up in the same house and, and doing all the brother sister things. And so now we're like reliving those days, but in business, it's like, I don't know, Sims business. <laughs> um, so we have we have fun. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I can tell. And I think, yeah, it's just so great. Cool. So look, bef- I want to dive deeper into your business, into this partnership, into everything you're building. But before we do, I'd like to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, you know, where did you grow up? So you mentioned it was LA. And how did this impact the choices you've made in the in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of people will ask me sometimes, LA or New York, right? And they'll say, what do you prefer? Uh, I spend a lot of time right now going back to LA for uh, for business. So I'm lucky that I can go back and see family and friends and um, stay in touch with sort of everyone that I left behind there. Um, but I think, you know, growing up, up in L.A., I always tell people the story that when I was in ninth grade, I started writing letters to my parents, begging them to send me to boarding school in New York. 
And I think that's just really a reflection of the fact that I hate waiting for things and I'm impatient, right? And New York is just so fast paced. And I think that's really what drew me to it in the beginning. And I think that's obviously what's kept me here. You know, I love going back to LA for a couple of days here and there, but even just the, you know, the driving in the car and the traffic and how much time it takes. And yes, there's traffic in New York, right? But if I have to get somewhere in 10 minutes, at least I have the subway I can hop on. And, you know, I think that there's a different, um, and I don't think better or worse, right? Just different energy in, in New York City in terms of um, how fast paced we move and how quick we want things and the instant gratification. Um, and all of that speaks to me. And so, you know, I, th- I think that uh, my life in LA and the way that I grew up and um, having space in a backyard and, and all of those things and living in suburbia, right, was great. Um, but I think for, for this part of my life and probably the rest of it, I would see myself uh, more in favor of New York City to call home. Um, but like I said, you know, I think even now going back there so often for work, you know, two or three times a month at, uh, at certain times, it's great because I actually can get, get around. I can, I know my way around the city. Like I still live there. I still have my friends. Um, and so when I'm out there, it's not so lonely. I still have a life um, and I still have people I can connect with, which is great. Oh, I love that. I think that, you know, I think having almost you've had the best of both worlds. It's you've experienced what it's like, you know, to grow up in LA, to live there. When did you move to New York? What, what year was, what year was that? I moved here in 2009. So I moved here and then the year after actually my family moved back to New York as well. So my parents moved back here. My older brother was already here. Um, and then after that, actually, the younger brother followed and went to NYU. So we were all um, we were all back here. Oh, I just love it. I think asking about kind of how it all evolved in those early years around like, you know, where you grew up and whatnot. And then for you, it's really been that transition across these two cities. I think it's just so insightful. I think it really gives us a better understanding of kind of your mindset, what you kind of love. When you were younger, you know, um, Maxie, the early years, what what did you love to do? You know, were you kind of... I don't think you're ready for it. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) It was shows that people and by people, my parents and their friends needed to buy tickets to. There were rows for seating and there was full hair, makeup and wardrobe. And if you didn't think that there was some business element to it, you're wrong. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I think, you know, my um, I grew up with two parents that were also working and traveled a lot. Um, and I would, you know, I would see the things that they did around me and, you know, I was fortunate enough to go on some work trips with them. And I think just being around that growing up, it's something that I always wanted to have as part of my life, uh, as well. And I think now even more so that my brother and I were able to join forces and kind of do this together. It's been, you know, it's been even more special, but, uh, I think young Maxie was, uh, she was trouble and she was dramatic and impatient and stubborn and, you know, all of the things that maybe I am still today. Um, but, you know, I think, I think I was always curious and I think that's something that's definitely kind of stayed with me throughout everything. You know, I don't like not having an answer for something. Um, and I think that's definitely been the, probably the piece of me that's kind of carried throughout my life. I love it. It's, it's, it's fascinating to hear and it's just I think it's always so interesting for us to reflect back on 
those early times and what we did and what we liked and often those traits are still there and and often they are reflected in the careers we choose, the businesses we build, etc. So when you let's talk about that move straight out of you know high school, that move to New York City and starting at I think you were at Fordham University over yeah in the city, um, studying a, a Bachelor of Science in Marketing. Talk to us about that time there. Bring us back. You know what was it like being back, like being in the city, living there, um, having just moved there. What was it like at college? Talk to us about that. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I was lucky enough to spend some time in New York and I always knew I loved it and I couldn't wait to get there for for school. Um, And pretty early on, I also knew, you know, that I wanted to do marketing. I knew that um, as it related to business, it was something that I was super passionate about. The way that things showed up in the world was something that I was passionate about. And I knew that no matter what I did, after college, by having a degree in marketing, it would kind of prepare me for that, right? And I didn't know what what industry I would go into or what area of marketing that would maybe be. And even where I started six years ago, what I'm doing today is very, very different. Um, but for me, it was really about moving to New York and then taking every opportunity. And I know that that sounds a little bit corny, right? But it was about being able to go to a school that had a program that had exactly what I wanted, but that I could also back up with real world work. And so after my sophomore year of of college, I was lucky enough to get an internship with General Electric in Italy. And I went there for four months. And the way that internships uh, worked in Europe were a little bit different. They were more like project-based, not so um, programmatic like they are here in the States. And so I left a little bit earlier than the end of the semester. And I actually came back right before the semester um, started pretty close to it in September. And my role was uh, a strategic marketing analyst. And it was a big project. And essentially what I did was I looked at different uh, markets across the world uh, for their oil and gas business and did an analysis on turbine parts. Okay. I don't know what a turbine is or anything about oil and gas, to be clear. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was really a, a challenging learning experience, but it was so insightful for me, right? Because I was understanding, okay, no matter what it is, if it's a, um, a turbine in the Middle East or a plane or whatever, whatever we're talking about, or a cookie on a shelf at, you know, a grocery store or, a, you know, a bottle of Coke at your local grocery, at the end of the day, there was still a way that that product got there, right? And there was still a message that was tied to it. And so what I was responsible for doing was, you know, understanding what, let's call it, competitor parts could be replacements for our own. And so what I wanted to know, right, is, okay, what creators can make content for a brand, right? So to me, it seemed very obvious that I could apply that to any other other sort of facet in, in marketing. And so I decided that I wanted to go down the digital route. I had an uh, an internship early on with uh, a platform that was essentially Pinterest for video. And there were um, some really, really great investors and founders behind it. And I learned a lot. Um, and from there, you know, I decided to go into really social and focusing on social media marketing. And then that's when I decided to... Um, to move into developing Maven and sort of what that looks like. But I think, you know, ultimately all of the things that happened while I was at Fordham, whether it was the internships or even the the business program that they developed, that was really um, 360 and all encompassing, much like what I do today, where we were taking communications and PR 
and marketing courses at the same time that we were taking um, a business analytics course and a finance course to understand how everything was working together. And it wasn't working together because I needed finance to know how to run my business, right? It was, we were taking finance to learn how to prepare budgets for the marketing campaign that we were developing in a marketing class, right? And so today with my role overseeing all of the digital, so everything that we brought with us from Maven and the acquisition to AP Keaton, but also to oversee all of the offline work that AP Keaton does for all of our clients, right? I'm, a, I'm applying all of those things again. Um, and so it's, it's so funny to me that, you know, seven years after I was complaining about having to study, I'm like actually using the stuff that I was taught. <laughs> so I love, I love it. I think yeah. it's, I think it's, I think that's awesome. I think so many of us go into degrees and we do things at uni or college that just don't really align with what we end up doing. And I think, you know, there's a silver lining there, but I also think the fact that for you, it was literally so direct. And today, seven years later, after building, you know, this phenomenal company, joining forces with your brother, you're literally like, actually, I can see how what I did back then actually applies. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's really the the secret. What advice would you give to our peers out there listening who potentially they're they're just finishing their degree, you know, and they're kind of like, oh, I'm about to start in the working world and I don't even know how this is going to apply to, you know, hashtag real world. You know, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, and you're going to hear this a lot and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to say the same thing. But do something that you love, right? And I think that if you apply whatever you're learning in school or whatever you're learning from your degree, you can find an application to something that fits you, right? And if you can't, then you shouldn't have started studying that in the first place. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think people, people will say to me, well, what do you mean, right? And I'll say, okay, if you studied finance, that doesn't mean you have to go work at a bank. Okay, you can study finance and have an interest in beauty, Go work for a beauty brand. They they need their books done, right? They need budgets. They have a finance team. So, you know, I don't I'm I have a difficult time accepting people that say, you know, well, now what? Well, what do you like to do? Now what's in your hands, right? You need to figure out how you're going to apply what you what you are going to, you know, be doing for the rest of your life based on the skills and the tools that you've been given from your degree. And for me, it was something that I knew, right? I wanted to do something related to brand and storytelling and have it be somewhat creative. And what that looks like today, I work with CPG brands. I work with alcohol brands. I work with cannabis brands. I work with a local legal processing company on Wall Street, right? Like there's no end to who I'm marketing. And guess what? I like all of those things, but I also like marketing, and I think that's a big disconnect for people, right? It's, you know, do a little bit of soul searching and, you know, figure out where do you see yourself and then how can you get there with the tools and the skills that you're obviously armed with. Such great advice. I think so many of us, we get a bit confused by that, right? We think, oh, we've done fine. I was a finance major. You know, I've done finance. That Oh, that means I need to be working in a bank or I need to go directly down, you know, if you're in New York, work on Wall Street, whatever, you know, except exactly what you said, kind of making those connections with the thing that you actually really love, the things you love to do, and then linking that with the skill set. I think it's so valuable. So talk to us a bit about that time there where you were just finishing up, you know, you kind of, 
you kind of progressed into, you had a couple of different internships and whatnot, and then you ultimately ended up, I think it was a social media strategist at a company called Obviously. You know, talk to us about what what that experience was like there. And then, because that was really the catalyst, it seems, you starting your company straight after that. Yeah. And, you know, working at Obviously was, was great. And I think it was really eye-opening for me. I think the biggest thing uh, that I took away from that experience, aside from obviously starting Maven and having Maven be born from that, um, was just a really deep understanding of of how the world was going to start working and how the world was going to start to take shape online. And I think, you know, five or six years ago or seven years ago now, the way that brands were talking about social media and the way that brands were talking about influencers and paid, right, was very, very different than what we're talking about today. And the way that we were even talking about it, you know, 21 days ago or a month ago is very different than how we're talking about it today, you know, with or without, you know, what's going on with the with the global pandemic. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, when I was there, I had the realization that without being able to be nimble and be a sort of flexible and um, malleable source for brands that I wasn't sure how all of, I wasn't sure how all of the things that people wanted to do in the digital space would be able to be done, right? And what I mean by that is I didn't want to be told that I was going to be given a budget for a brand and then execute against some plans. I wanted to come up with what that budget looked like in terms of allocations and test things because it was such an exciting time, right? It was, oh, let's use these people, I say with air quotes, that now have, you know, 50,000 followers or even 25,000 followers then seemed like infinity, right? And let's use them as content creators. Okay, so how can we test that more, right? And and I was fueled by by that curiosity again to try to figure all those things out which is what ultimate led me, ultimately led me to starting Maven um, so that I could kind of do that myself. Um, and I've never been one who likes to follow, uh, follow the rules or listen very well. So, you know, being my own boss, I think also was, um, was a priority for me. But, you know, I think ultimately it goes back to that, that same curiosity that I was talking about when I was a kid, which is I want to be able to test this. I want to have a little bit more control. And if the only way that I can control it is maybe by taking a step back giving up an income, living with my parents, right? Starting a company. I think that people think, oh, she started a company that's cool and sexy. I didn't have a salary for 18 months. So yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I I definitely don't regret um, anything with that first step as, as sort of my entry point into that, into that world of all things social. So interesting to hear. I think I just, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that transition. You know, I think exactly what you said. I think when people think of starting a company, being my own boss, it's all glamorous and you walk out with, you know, being able to tell yourself when you can finish the day and you got all this money in the bank, et cetera. Um, talk to us about that transition there, the period of I'm starting, I'm moving back home now, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try and rely on my parents a little bit and I'm just going to try and figure this out. Like what were the early things you did to get this off the ground? And then what was that period like for you? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, one of the big things for me that fortunately a lot of people around me were encouraging as I was getting started 
um, or, or even thinking about starting Maven was really having a good plan. So I didn't quit my job. I didn't do anything until I really had a sense of what I was going to be doing um, and really what that was going to look like. And so once I had some conversations, and obviously that wasn't easy as somebody who was working full time and also trying to get this started at the same time. Um, but, you know, figuring out, okay, this is really the roadmap that I'm going to have to take to get there. And these are, you know, some of the sacrifices that I'm going to have to make. These are some of the choices that I'm going to have to make. Um, and this is what it's going to look like, right? And it's going to look like at, you know, 24 years old asking your mom for $50 because you're going out with your friends. And um, it's going to look like, you know, texting your dad and asking what he's making for dinner. Um, and if there's like, you know, the dry cleanings back. But I think ultimately, you know, for me, it was about knowing what I ultimately wanted um, and then just figuring out how to get there. So when I first started working on Maven, I really felt that there was a, a big gap in the marketplace for agency type services um, that didn't require retainers, right? And that was one of the theories I would say that I had while I was at, um, obviously, right? I saw that the amazing work that we could do. But what about brands that didn't want to retain us? What about brands that didn't want us for 12 months, right? Or six months? Um, what did that look like? And so, you know, starting to think through that, then I started to wonder, okay, what do, what, what exists today as short-term solutions for brands that need uh, marketing support? And the, 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 the classical or the classic example that I kept referencing was if a brand had somebody who went out a social media manager on maternity leave, does that mean that they now need to train another employee to learn how to be a social media manager or who's going to fill that gap, right? And so my thought was that they could come to Maven and we would be able to fill that gap. And that was all going to be done through an app. And I started working with two partners and developers out of uh, Silicon Valley from Google. And we, we made wireframes and we had code. It was crazy. Um, all the while, right, I was raising money against the concept of Maven On Demand. Um, I wasn't the only one who was thinking that brands were going to need short-term marketing solutions, right? The giants like the LinkedIn's of the world um, were also thinking the same thing. Freelancer marketplaces were obviously becoming much uh, trendier and were popping up everywhere. Um, and I was actually running into uh, an issue with our investors. And the issue came from the fact that I had freelance clients that I was doing social media management for while I was raising money to at least try to get some income, right? But now what? Because at what point was I going to stop telling one of my clients to have a retainer with me and use the software that I was trying to build? And so that became the moment that I had to make the decision of what Maven was really going to look like. And so we decided to launch with the shop at Maven, which was the agency, and then Maven On Demand. Very quickly when I started uh, Maven, I was fortunate enough to be connected with Sally Hirschberger, who's uh, a pretty famous hairstylist um, here out of New York and L.A. with salons around around the country. Um, she makes appearances in Dubai and in Europe and around the world. And she reached out for me to help her with her launch in Sephora. And uh, from there, you know, one thing kind of led to another. And we very quickly... Uh, simultaneously to kind of getting our footing in adult beverage and alcohol from the from the referrals and references from my brother, and then also uh, kind of launching and having Sally as a client and just having so many eyes on her and the launch, 
it afforded us the opportunity to kind of really take off in both of those verticals. And so, you know, in very short order, uh, we had a ton of beauty brands on our roster and a ton of, you know, alcohol brands on our roster that we were able to execute programs for. And I was able to do a lot of that testing and that um, thinking around the problem with it, right, is like with any startup, you don't have a lot of people. And so your resources are thin. And so while focusing on all of those exciting programs and tactics and ideas, the app sort of fell by the uh, by the wayside. So we never ended up launching uh, Maven on demand, but I feel like now Maven as part of AP Keaton is like my my other half of what Maven um, always needed. So, you know, it was a it was a it was a crazy time to start Maven. People ask me all the time if I would do it again. Um, I would say yes, but I think I would be um, I think I would prepare a little differently, and I think that there's definitely. Um, a lot more reflecting that I think people need to do. I think that um, I don't think I could have prepared any differently because the fact of the matter is I was 22 when I decided to start the company and I don't know how much more I even knew at that age. Right. Um, But if I, and and that's why I would do it again, because I think I've just learned a lot more um, over the last couple of years. And yeah, it's uh, it's wild. I don't actually really think about it that much. So now that you've had me like go back to it, I'm like, and I'm also like, a lot of time has passed. Yeah, no, I and I love taking you back that we could take you back, and I just feel for you know for us and all our peers out there listening, it really is just so insightful to see how your initial idea of what you thought you were going to go out and do has evolved, how it's evolved and how even in the early days it changed so much and you ended up just not even having the on-demand part and it was just the agency, et cetera. I think it's just super valuable. I think, you know, for our peers out there listening, maybe who have got ideas and maybe they're in their mid early twenties and they're thinking, Oh, you know what? I could probably do something knowing that, you know, giving yourself that time to reflect and to really think, you know, what other advice would you give around, you know, to, to our peers out there listening who want to start something, but maybe they just don't really know where to begin and where to kind of start with their idea even. Yeah, I would yeah, I would say my biggest piece of advice is going to be and will always be to do your research, right? And do do some digging and do some planning and do some thinking because it's not that your idea is insignificant or it's bad, it's probably great, right? But there's also a lot of other great ideas that can help come together and shape what you're thinking and quite frankly can make it a little easier, right? So, you know, don't be I don't I, I hate when I see that there's people with ideas that are stifled because they're not sure how to get them started or it seems too complicated. Figure it out, right? Google it. Go online and read an article about some piece of that, right? If it's if you have an idea for an app that any, you know, that maybe has different features and components to it and one of them involves matching people together. Guess what? Things like Tinder exist, Match.com, Bumble. You're not the first one to develop a matching algorithm, right? So, okay, check. That's on next one. Okay, what's the next feature that you want to have as part of your app or your project, right? Okay, let's see if that already exists. And I'm not saying that we need to, that you need to take from people, right? But, you know, the world of, the world of possibilities, I believe, is endless if you look hard enough, right? And so, um, you know, challenge yourselves to be curious too and to and to to spend some time 
looking into um, looking into your ideas and the things that make you excited. And I think the second piece to that is don't ever let somebody tell you that something's not possible because I will not accept that and neither should you. Um, it's been something that uh, maybe I've uh, hammered into a fault, but I um, I just have a hard time taking no for an answer. And I think that more people should. And I think, you know, saying, okay, I get you're saying that it's not possible, but then maybe there's a, a different iteration of it, or maybe there's a pivot that we can make. Um, I don't, I don't believe, and I don't think anyone should just give up because somebody tells you that something's going to be hard. How can we build resilience when things get hard? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, I'm definitely not going to sit here and say that that's an easy thing to do. Um, but I think, you know, there were definitely moments where I was like, oh, should I just give up, right? Or there are moments where I just said, maybe I should just close Maven before the acquisition. Or, you know, there were times where I said, I can't do this alone after I didn't have partners anymore. And I think, you know, remembering why you started, right? So if it's because you believed so deeply in an idea or because you wanted to prove something out or because you wanted to show yourself that you could do it, right? Just remember that and kind of go back to it. And I think, the more you remind yourself of the why and what initially kind of fueled the, the, the desire and kind of the wanting to do it, you'll be able to overcome uh, some, of, some of the hard stuff and it'll make it a little bit easier, you know? And I think the other thing is to remember that you're not in it alone, right? I think that's, that's a really big one for me. And especially I think because I did start a company when I was so young, right? I felt like I had to do it all. And I felt like I kind of had to be invincible. And uh, once I was named to Forbes 30 Under 30 and I was kind of exposed to this whole community of other entrepreneurs who were under 30 years old or right around the 30-year-old mark, it, it kind of showed me that, you know, there's every year, I guess, however many people are in inducted into the class, hundreds of, or, you know, 300 fellow entrepreneurs that are feeling the same thing I am, right? 300 other people who thought, you know, maybe I should give up. 300 other people who were too tired two nights ago to stay up and finish a deck, right? And so the idea that there are um, outlets and resources and um, places for people to go to even just have conversations around um, around being, you know, a young entrepreneur or being a young person in business and just working hard and um, whatever it might be, you know, I think that um, that's sort of the other big, big takeaway. I love how you mentioned that. I think it's when we feel like we're not alone in the craziness that is every day, you know, as a young entrepreneur, it's when we feel like we're not alone and we've actually, other people are going through it too. And maybe they've done it, you know, this way and they've failed harder even or whatever it is. It just almost gives you the comfort, you know, for our peers out there who maybe, you know, they don't have the community like a Forbes or whatever it may be, what, you know, what advice would you give on on building that kind of network slash community um, to help them get through it all? Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays, especially um, even more so right now while we're all under quarantine, but, you know, we're, we live in such a digital age where there really are no walls. You know, all message uh, the founder of another agency or I'll message the CEO of a brand on Instagram that I just think is cool. And I'm like, hey, look, I don't know if you're even looking for an agency, right? But I like what you're doing. I'm sure that you have marketing challenges. I want to talk. And I would say nine times out of 10, I get positive feedback. And it's the same thing with, you know, other cities. Like I'll go to 
Uh, there's an agency in London that I love. And I was uh, doing an event there a few years ago for one of my beauty brands. And I remember I went on and I was trying to find people who worked at the agency on Instagram just to connect with and be like, I like what you're doing, right? And and I think that's the power, as, as funny as this is going to sound, of like the DM. And, you know, I think that you don't always need to have a, a fancy or formal support group or something that's, um, you know, really official. You can you can just reach out to people now. And I think that's one of the, the best things that I think I've really seen, especially out of um, younger millennials or even like Gen Z, like I get so many emails asking me questions and DMs and it, it warms my heart. Like I'm happy to answer them because at least, but at least there's, you know, there's curiosity. And I, I know I keep going back to that word, but it's so true. And I feel like, you know, you have to kind of be in charge of yourself. And if you, if you need support, you need to go out and you need to find it and it's, and it's around you. Right. And it's goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I won't take no for an answer. If you need, um, there are so many platforms and websites and online resources even for young entrepreneurs and um, for women, for women specifically, right? For, um, there's, there's groups for men specifically. There's groups for, um, for, for different age ranges, right? And, there's, and, and anything that you really need, I think it, it goes back to looking for it. It's so true. And I think that it is, Sounds corny, but the power of social media, it's just literally how, you know, half of our guests on the show have even kind of appeared, et cetera. You know, I just think it, it's so valuable, even clients and whatnot. And I just think, yeah, being resourceful, knowing that you've got that at your fingertips is honestly, yeah, it's the way to go. Love it. So look, I want to dive a bit deeper into the progression and now what you are doing at AP Keaton as the company being AP Keaton. Talk to us about, you know, the last couple of years. I mean, you've been in the game for six and a half years or something crazy like that. You know, talk to us about those, these, these last couple of years. Yeah. So, um, uh, like I mentioned before, my brother is the founder of AP Keaton, um, which he started about three years ago. And about two years ago, when we started really hearing Omnichannel, um, and we also started seeing a lot of our clients coming to us with different requests and, you know, requiring almost that there be a digital component or an offline component, or we saw, you know, experiential and activations and events out in the real world taking shape in new ways with interactive elements and QR codes and lenses and giffies and blah, 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 right? It, it just started to change what the conversation was. And uh, half of me was sick of fighting about who was going to make money with my brother. And then the other half was that um, I had just been named to Forbes 30 Under 30. And we had thought that it would be um, candidly kind of a good time to really assess what we were doing, what sort of the future of Maven was going to be and where where we were going. And so um, we joined forces just under two years ago. Um, we had no idea that where we are today is, is where we would be, quite frankly. Um, we really thought that the acquisition was just going to join the agency in a family of brands. AP Keaton would exist as the offline, Maven would be the online. We would probably have acquired other agencies as well. And uh, on the 31st day of us moving into their offices, we landed a cross-agency online-offline client. Um, for a, for a pretty high uh, retainer amount, and we looked at each other and we were like, "Did we have this all wrong?" So uh, fast forward to today, 
Um, I am now oversee everything on the online side and the offline side, like I was saying before. So what that looks like is, you know, any of our clients that are uh, executing programs online, whether it be with uh, influencers on social, with paid media, um, on some of our uh, platform partners like Giphy or Snap or you know, Pinterest, Spotify, et cetera. And then on the offline side, you know, all of our clients that are doing experiential or events and activations. So, um, you know, things at Coachella or GovBall, things at uh, food and wine festivals, things like that, making sure that there's an online component as well and, and bringing the experiences full 360. Um, and over the last, you know, few years, really since this whole merger came to be, um, it's been it's been an interesting experience because half of it has been really learning that offline world that I wasn't so um, so well-versed in right before. My focus was always digital. But then it was also a weird, a weird kind of learning because it felt like it just made so much sense to me, right? And it was like, well, duh, that seems like a no-brainer. And so it's been really fun. Um, it's been very different than than sort of my day-to-day before, right? My day-to-day before was a lot of ideating around campaigns, a lot of content execution around of a lot of um, sort of uh, client work, projects, things like that. I would say now, you know, a lot more of my day-to-day is around thinking and strategizing bigger picture, how brands can show up. Um, and that, you know, what I was saying before kind of ties back to the program that I was doing when I was in school that was really 360 um, and included everything. And it's, you know, it's so, it's so fun because I have, we're also living in a time where social media is becoming so prevalent in, in people's lives who aren't in the industry, right. And don't know about social. And so being able to ideate alongside people who maybe don't know all of the technicalities around some of the platforms or the, the small details about a platform that sort of make it tick, but understanding what their ideas are and then being able to bring those to life um, is, is so fun. So, you know, I think the, I would say my last couple of years has really just shifted and sort of progressed or um, changed with the times more than anything. You know, I don't think, I think even if let's say I was just still running Maven, there's no way that we would not be working with our clients in an offline capacity. And so, um, for me, it's been like a whole new, almost like a whole new startup experience doing this again with, with AP Keaton, uh, alongside us. Oh, I love it, Maxie. It just sounds so cool. And I just love that you've been able to reinvent with this, you know, in this new partnership and, and um, yeah, really kind of push yourself even and stretch your ideas and, and the way that you operate as a marketer. I love it. So look, as we come to the close of today's episode, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Maxie, for the phenomenal work you've done and that you're doing. You know, over the last couple of years in particular, you've been very, very much so recognized for all of your work. As you mentioned, you were on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Your company was named on the Entrepreneurs 360 list as a top independent, one of the top independent companies of the year. You've grossed um, over, you know, two million plus revenue, annual revenue. You know, the list goes on and on. I think most of all, the thing that we appreciate about you is the fact that you've stayed so grounded, you've stayed so curious, you've stayed so real throughout this process, and for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. This is, you know, it's been, 
it's been fun. It's been a wild, you know, past couple of years. I think this was fun for me because I haven't really stopped. I don't have time to stop often and, and think about it. But this has been a, a really kind of fun trip down memory lane and kind of thinking back to uh, all the things that I've been doing. And, you know, I, I hope and I, I, I talk to young people a lot and I like to go and lecture at, you know, different universities and, and different colleges because I think, you know, what I've said throughout this whole sort of session and what, what I continue to do is just reminding people to be curious and to ask questions and to kind of push yourself and not to accept anything less than that. And it's not because anyone's any better than anyone else, right? It's because the answers are out there if you look hard enough. There you go. I love it. And our final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, I'm like going to cry. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I think the I hope that it comes through in the way that I live my life and the way that I talk about what I do. But I think the value is obviously your own happiness, right? I love what I do. Um, I know I get to work with my brother and alongside some of my best friends every day, but that's because I worked hard to get to the place where that's what I'm afforded the opportunity to do, right? And I think the value in it for me was getting to that place where, you know, I have full happiness in what I do for work and in my career and in my life. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, all of us need to work hard to kind of achieve. I love it. Maxi, ladies and gentlemen, we have had a blast. Where can people learn more about you and uh, Maven slash AP Keaton? Yeah. So people can follow me on Instagram at Maxi Goldstein or APKeaton.com. And if you have any questions, I've challenged you all to be curious. Please hit me up. I'm excited to talk to you. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank it's you, been Michelle. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you. Great. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>